Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. This is our Friday edition of Week 15, January 27th of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Karsten. Let's go ahead and not waste any more time. We're going to have a pretty brief episode today. Uh, we don't have a ton to talk about. I mentioned last time maybe doing a smaller segment in addition to our normal uh, you know, game summaries, news, and game previews for the weekend. Uh, we'll have something small that we'll do, but I'm also kind of working with the other guys, trying to refine maybe the structure of uh, the episodes. Probably not anything too major as far as changes, but particularly Wednesday and Friday, trying to figure out, you know, what those will look like apart from just the normal summaries and news and things like that. Um, so let's just jump into it. Let's start with our game summaries. Uh, the first one, a pretty major one uh, out of Boston, the Celtics lose at home to the visiting New York Knicks, 120 to 117 in overtime. Um, and this was a fairly back and forth affair. Celtics held a nice lead in the first quarter. Knicks held a nice lead in the fourth quarter. Um, big lead changes throughout. Obviously went to overtime, and then the uh, Knicks were able to stun the Celtics at home. And the Celtics still reeling the last few games. Um, <clears throat> they've gone on a couple game losing streaks, so definitely not great for them. <clears throat> Excuse me, just getting a quick drink there. For the Celtics, they were led by Jason Tatum. Uh, par for the courts there, 35 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, okay-ish percentages 22 points from Jalen Brown although uh, he struggled to shoot from the floor in general and had some some late free throw issues that were a uh, uh, important factor in the game uh, 15 points from Derek White and 10 points from Malcolm Brogdon 12 boards for Robert Williams uh, but for the Knicks they had a strong game from a couple of guys mainly Julius Randle 37 points 9 rebounds and uh, Jalen Brunson, 29.7 assists. They also got 14 rebounds from Jericho Sims starting at center, uh, 19 points from R.J. Barrett, and 17 from Emmanuel Quickly coming off the bench. And the Knicks pick up a nice win there as they try and uh, keep themselves where they're at in the East, You know, maybe even uh, elevate themselves in the standings a little bit if possible. I know they had you know, lost a couple of games within the last uh, few weeks. So that's a big win for them against uh, the best team record-wise and, you know, depending on who you ask, the best team regardless in the NBA. Um, so big upset there. Next, the Detroit Pistons get a, a nice win against the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn, 130-122. to 122. Uh, And they overcome a big game from Kyrie Irving. And the Pistons actually won this fairly convincingly. They Won it by about seven points or so. At one point, they led by as much as 14. Uh, for the Nets, Kyrie had 40 points, six assists, five boards, two steals, two blocks. Monster performance. Uh, 27 points and 13 boards for Nick Claxton. Those two doing a lot of uh, work for Brooklyn right now. Uh, Edmund Sumner had a nice game off the bench with 24 points. But outside of him and the other two, you know, kind of stars, de facto stars without Durant, of course, Kyrie's a star himself. Claxton stepping up in the absence of Durant. Uh, they struggled to get a lot of scoring outside of those three players, and especially with some players leaving early with injury. We'll have a little bit more on that in a second with our news. Uh, but for the Pistons, it was a nice balanced effort. They had eight guys in double figures, the leading scorer being Sadiq Bey in his 25 points, along with nine rebounds. 20 points from Alec Burks in the starting lineup. 
16 points, 8 assists for the rookie, Jaden Ivey. 17 points, 7 boards for Jalen Duran as he gets another start at center. And, uh, yeah, the Pistons' nice balanced effort able to get the win in Brooklyn. Next, the Charlotte Hornets win at home against the Chicago Bulls, 111-96. And Terry Rozier has a nice game in this one. Um, hold on a second as we get these pulled up. Uh, yeah, pretty back and forth. And then the Hornets pull away in the fourth quarter. Um, for the Bulls, 28 points for DeMar DeRozan. He continues to be the the guy with Levine providing some scoring alongside him. 18 points for Levine, nine rebounds. Um and then all three other starters scored in double figures. However, for the Hornets, their leading scorers were just a touch better. Uh, 28 points from the aforementioned Terry Rozier. 15 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists for LaMelo Ball. A near triple-double for him. 21 points, 12 boards for Mason Plumley, And 17 points for Gordon Hayward, who's uh, recently been added back into the Hornets lineup as they get a nice win against Chicago there at home. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers go on the road and win a game against the Houston Rockets. Uh, not too much of a contest. The Cavs led for most of this game, and they led big for most of this game, at one point leading by as much as 32 points. Um, for the Rockets, they were led by uh, Terry Eason's 18 points off the bench with 11 rebounds. Uh, no starters scored more than 14 points. They had three guys score 14, Shangun, Jabari Smith Jr., and Kenny Martin Jr., uh, Jalen Green, tough game, six points for him. Uh, and the Cavs, just the better team, 26 points from Darius Garland, along with nine assists, 21 points, 10 boards for Mobley, 14 points, 10 boards for Jarrett Allen. And they were even without Donovan Mitchell in this game, or it could have been even more of a lopsided finish. Uh, next, this was a, a thrilling game. This was actually, forgot to mention that the uh, that first game, that Knicks-Celtics game, was that was a national broadcast as part of our rivals week um yeah let me uh double check that real quick apologize for this um i don't know why oh that's not what i wanted to click um don't know why it's not telling i believe that was yes it was nicks at celtics that was the first game of the rivals week and that was the uh, a TNT broadcast, the second of those games. I know this was on TNT. This was Dallas Mavericks on the road in Phoenix against the Suns, and they pick up the win 99 to 95. Uh, and they overcome an early injury for Doncic. We'll have more on that with our news segment. Um, pretty close throughout, although the Ma Mavericks held a lead through the second half entirely, did not relinquish that lead. Uh, rel relinquish. There we go. Sometimes that's a a tough word um, for the Suns. They had nice games from Cameron Johnson and Chris Paul, 22 points each, eight boards for Cameron Johnson, 10 assists for Chris Paul. Great rebounding effort from DeAndre Aiden. He had 20 rebounds along with 19 points. Uh, really did his job inside. Mikael Bridges added 16 points, four rebounds, four assists. Um, those four guys, they're double figure scorers for the Mavericks though. Dinwiddie stepped up in the absence of Doncic, who they lost just a few minutes into the game. He had 36 points, nine assists, six rebounds, uh, uh, sort of a Luka-esque stat line. 15 for Dwight Powell, who had a big uh, offensive rebound in the last minute to really seal the game for Dallas. 18 points, 12 boards for Dorian Finney-Smith. 
11 points, nine rebounds for Tim Hardaway Jr. and 10 points off the bench for Reggie Bullock as the Mavericks win a game. They overcome some uh, adversity there and they beat the Suns. Finally, the uh, LA Clippers win big at home against the San Antonio Spurs, 138 to 100. Um, not much of a contest here. The Clippers never trailed in this game. Uh, and their their win margin was their max lead of the game. It was just a build throughout the game. Uh, for the Spurs, their leading scorer was Kelvin Johnson, 19 points. Uh, 14 points off the bench from Isaiah Roby. Um, 13 from Keanu Bates-Diop. Um, only five double-figure scores. 10 boards off the bench for Zach Collins. Um, but for the Clippers, just, you know, playing really well. They've gotten more consistent minutes from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Paul George, 35.7 assists. Kawhi Leonard, 27 points, 7 assists. Paul George also had three steals and a block. Um, let's see. They had four other double-figure scorers. Um, and they didn't even have, outside of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, they didn't even have a lot of great performances from the other players. But, uh, you know, the the Spurs are just struggling this year. They don't have, a, they have a lot of young talent um, and they're still trying to grow. And the Clippers are just a, a team looking to try and put things together at this point in the season. So a tough loss for the Spurs, but a nice win for the Clippers. And that takes care of our game summaries from last night's action. Um, let me go ahead and fix this real quick. Um, so now let's talk our key news. There's not too much here, just a few items. Firstly, for the Nets, we mentioned there was a couple injuries. Uh, Ben Simmons and TJ Warren both left that game early, uh, I think at different points in the game. Uh, that was the game versus Detroit with left knee injuries. Uh, I believe Simmons was left knee soreness and Warren was left knee, a left knee contusion of some sort. So I'm sure we'll have updates on that within, you know, more specific updates as far as the timeline for return. If it's more day-to-day type thing, um, we'll probably have that next time on the Monday show when we come back from the weekend break. Um, another injury we've mentioned Luka Doncic as well in that Dallas uh, Phoenix game. Doncic is reportedly day-to-day with uh, quote unquote, a mild left ankle sprain. Uh, that report comes from Adrian Wojnarowski. Should just say whoa, which should make it me easier for myself. Of ESPN, um, so you imagine maybe he'll he'll miss a game or two in the next uh, couple of weeks, but he should hopefully be fine and a very quick road to recovery from that little mild injury. So, um, as always, any players with injuries, wishing them the best as they get recovered from those. Um, interesting note uh, in the sports memorabilia world specifically with jerseys uh lebron james's 2013 finals game seven jersey his game worn journey from that uh game seven auctioned for 3.7 million dollars at sotheby's uh this is a per espn report and that is the third most expensive jersey ever sold at auction behind michael jordan's last um jersey Warren for the Chicago Bulls in that finals game against the Jazz and uh, Diego Maradona's Hand of God jersey from, uh, I think it was World Cup. I'm loosely familiar with the play. I don't remember a lot of specifics. But uh, behind those two, this is the most expensive jersey ever sold at auction. And speaking of jerseys, the NBA did officially announce the All-Star Game uniforms today. 
Um, they had been leaked uh, a few weeks prior, so some people might have seen these, um, but they're now official. And I think they're they're nice. They're not the greatest all star jerseys I've ever seen, but they're um, you know they're not offensive. I suppose they're <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen them and you want a description over audio format, I guess I'll do that. So one of them is a red and yellow, like it starts at the top of the Jersey red, and then it's a um, gradient downward to yellow into the, the shorts. And then I think the shorts go back into red at some point. Um, and then for the, the other, it's a blue at the top and then the gradient down into black. And then I'm guessing the shorts will go black back into blue. Um, both jerseys have white text, all-star across the front names on the back. The names are below the numbers, which has been an all-star kind of staple for the last several years or so. Otherwise there's the Jordan logo. Uh, there's the Kia logo. Cause they do that because Kia sponsors the awards and the all-star stuff. Um, and that's really it. There's not too much to talk about. They've got some stars on the shorts. It looks like they'll be, they'll be nice. They'll be fine. Um, there's definitely been some more exciting all-star uniforms, but these are definitely not the worst I've seen. I think they're, they're good. They're nice. Um, and they also have a little bit of a subtle mountain logo on the striping on the side, which of course is a nod to the, I think the specific all-star logo for this game, which is again going to be in Utah in Salt Lake city. This is the first time in 30 years since 1993. So that'll be exciting. It's exciting for us in Utah, of course. Um, if tickets weren't so expensive, I would go. I, you know, as far back as um, like this last summer, I sent out a, you know, email or, you know, put myself on a list like, hey, let me know when these are available. And as soon as the tickets became available, I saw the prices and I said, yeah, I don't know if I can do that right now uh, with my current <laughs> pay at my job. Um, you know, it's tough for a lot of people to do that. I feel like you'd have to be saving up for a year or so to be able to, you know, be prepared for that kind of price tag. But regardless, um, still exciting to have that in Utah. Um, but that takes care of our news. Again, there was just a few items there. Um, as far as our little segment before we do our game previews, uh, since the All-Star starters were announced just last night i thought it would be interesting to maybe give my immediate thoughts on who the reserves should be um again if you weren't uh aware that those were announced if you didn't listen to the last episode here's the starters um in a lot quicker format than i did it last time in the east the guards are Kyrie irving and donovan mitchell the front court uh, guys are jason tatum and kevin durant along with the captain Giannis antenna and then in the West, the backcourt is uh, Stephen Curry and Luka Doncic. In the front court, it's uh, Zion Williamson and Nikola Jokic, along with the captain there, LeBron James. Um, the surprise, of course, being Zion Williamson being a starter um, with the games he's missed. The other conversation piece is that Joel Embiid, due to the front court format, was left out of the starting group in the Eastern Conference. Um, but regardless, Let's chat real quick about my thoughts on the reserves. Now, it's a different uh, format and a different way that those reserves are picked. Instead of a combination of fan vote, media vote, and player vote, it's uh, solely picked by the 30 NBA head coaches, which I think is a solid way to do it. Um, you know, you're likely to make sure any 
guys, certainly guys that maybe should have been starters will at least easily be reserves. Um, we have coaches, you know, these are people that really understand the game. And so they're likely to make some pretty solid picks there. Um, so my thoughts, as far as looking at players this season and uh, the way things look in each conference, my thoughts for the reserves, let's start with the East. I think Trey Young, Jalen Brown, um, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid, those four are probably pretty safe picks. Um, you know, Brown's been has been his, the best season of his career probably up to this point. Trey Young's playing great as always. Siakam is by far and away leading uh, Toronto. Embiid, of course, maybe, as we talked about, could have been in that starter conversation. Certainly an all-star regardless of starting or reserve. So those four are pretty safe picks. After that, I think you can get into a little more of an argument. I think DeMar DeRozan should probably be in there. He's my, you know, 10th guy in just because, you know, his stats are great again. And Chicago is still competitive, even if, even if they're not as good as maybe we thought or hoped. Um, but after that, I think I personally, and again, I don't really have a lot of stake in this. I'm not really a Knicks fan myself, but I would like to see for the sake of Knicks fans and the organization and their positive progress they've see, experienced these last couple of years, it'd be nice for them to have both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle in the All-Star game. Uh, I think those would be great picks. And now, Harden has missed just some games. He hasn't missed a ton. Um, and he's probably a pick that you – he would probably make it, in all honesty, over Jalen Brunson, which, you know – Makes sense. I, I can't really fault that. And then um, if you have another name that, you know, is a name to have in case of injury to any of these guys, it'd probably be Bam Adebayo for the Heat, even though, again, they're still, although they moved up in the East, they're still not as stellar as we maybe thought they'd be coming off a season when they had the, the best record in the East. Um, but that's kind of the look of things. I, I'd probably switch these, honestly. I'd have, you know, the Jalen Brunson in case of any injury to any players. And Harden makes it in that uh, reserve case. Because, again, it's it's five starters, seven reserves. So my reserves for the East would then be Trey Young, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Siakam, Embiid, James Harden, and Julius Randle. And then in case of injury, uh, if you want to bring in another front uh, – Backcourt guy, it's Jalen Brunson. Bring in another frontcourt guy, it's Bam Adebayo. In the West, the conversation is a little more interesting um, in the sense that it's pretty backcourt heavy, I would say. Um, of course, Curry and Doncic already made it, so I think the easy picks, John Morant, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, those two guys have had incredible seasons. Um, and then Damian Lillard, I think, with especially the last month or so that he's had, you have to kind of lock him in too. So Morant, Gilgis-Alexander, and Lillard, for sure. And that already takes up pretty much your whole backcourt group there. Um, in the front court, I think Damanis Sabonis and Larry Markinen have made pretty good cases there. Um, and then we get into some guys that have missed time with injury. Paul George and Devin Booker, those would be pretty, um, you know, good bets. But then I, was, I would also have Anthony Edwards. Um, he's been very good for Minnesota. He's helped them right the the ship after kind of a struggle to the season um and what helps here is 
coaches do have the liberty of voting guys in um, if they're kind of a tweener. Like Anthony Edwards, of course, we would think of him more as a shooting guard. Um, but he has played minutes and has the ability to kind of play that small forward spot. Um, but if they want to, they can kind of game it where they say, okay, we're, we're going to vote Anthony Edwards in as a forward, as a small forward, so that we can make this work and make sure that we get everyone in that should be in. Um, so that would be kind of my way of looking at it with the West. You'd have John Morant, Gilgis Alexander. Then you you fit an Anthony Edwards in as technically your small forward to make the voting work. Larry Markinen and Sabonis. And then your two off the bench, Lillard is the one that you kind of lock in. And so now you have one other spot to decide between. You have, And you have three guys I think would be probably your top three or four in that conversation for that spot. Um, Devin Booker, Paul George, and De'Aaron Fox. Now, Devin Booker's missed a good amount of games. Paul George missed, has missed some games. De'Aaron Fox hasn't missed a ton of games, but he hasn't had as stellar a season in the games he's, you know, in their averages and the way they've performed compared to Devin Booker and Paul George. Probably what I would do is um, have Paul George be locked in as that, uh, you know, seventh reserve. You have Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Damian Lillard, along with the other four that are kind of more uh, solid picks. And then maybe Booker and Fox are injury replacement guys. Um that would kind of be my way of doing it. Or I guess in the reverse, if Devin Booker's still injured, you vote him in and then Edwards becomes the injury replacement. And, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. And those would be my thoughts as far as reserve predictions. But again, there might be some surprises, some names that I'm kind of overlooking in this little um, exercise, but just thought I would share my thoughts on that real quick to give give us a little bit more meat to this uh, episode of the podcast. Let's go ahead and do our game previews before we wrap things up. So all of the times I will give, as always, are in Eastern Standard Time, um, and we're going to talk Saturday through Monday, the games to look out for this weekend and into the next week. Uh, so Saturday, there's 11 games on our Saturday slate. Uh, we have a ABC triple header as part of NBA rivals week. Firstly at three o'clock on ABC on Saturday, the Denver nuggets in Philadelphia against the 76ers. That's not so much a team rivalry, but a matchup between the two best centers of the last 10 years of in the league. Currently Nicole Jokic and Joel Embiid should be a good matchup. Then at five o'clock or five 30 on ABC, the New York Knicks in Brooklyn against the net nets, the battle of the boroughs there. Um, should be a pretty interesting game as well. And then at 8.30 on ABC, uh, the classic NBA rivalry, the uh, Boston Celtics hosting the Los Angeles Lakers. That should be a pretty great one, especially, I mean, the Celtics are top team in the NBA, but the Lakers trying to really make a push now. They've got Anthony Davis back. They've added Rory Hachimura. That should be a really interesting game to watch out for. A couple of uh, league pass games, if you want to add to that great group of rival-focused games. Uh, on 7.30, or at 7.30 on League Pass, the LA Clippers are in Atlanta against the Hawks. Uh, those two teams are sort of similar records. Uh, Trey Young versus Paul George and that group. Um, the machismo element in that, I kind of like that as a game to watch out for. And then at 9 o'clock on League Pass, the Dallas Mavericks in Utah against the Jazz. The playoff rematch of last year, the Mavericks won that series fairly, fairly easily but it is a new jazz team. And I'd like to see what some of those players who were there for that playoff series, if they, you know, they probably 
don't think about it that much. They think about it probably as a whole different team. I don't know. But, um, you know, the Jazz players who were part of that playoff series last year, if they're maybe just a touch more of a, hey, let's let's really get the win here, get a little bit of a, a cathartic release beating the Mavericks in Utah. Um, anyways, maybe just more a side note as a Jazz fan, but should be it could be a game worth looking out for. On Sunday, there's only four games on Sunday, one national broadcast. That's the one game I'd kind of pick to look out for. On NBA TV at 8 o'clock, the New Orleans Pelicans in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Uh, that should be a pretty good matchup. Pelicans now have Brandon Ingram back, so they're closer to full strength. Hopefully they're getting Zion back relatively soon. Um, and then the Bucks, we know the Bucks are one of the top teams. And they're, after they had slid a bit, they've got Giannis and Chris Middleton back. Holiday had picked up the slack. He's playing great basketball. Should be, you know, a team to watch out for in this back half of the season. Then on Monday, there's eight games total. We have a NBA TV doubleheader. At 7.30, the Los Angeles Lakers in Brooklyn against the Nets. Kyrie versus LeBron. That's kind of, you know, fallen by the wayside as far as the storyline, but still worth noting, I suppose. Uh, and then at 10 o'clock on NBA TV, the Atlanta Hawks in Portland against the Trailblazers. Trey Young versus Damian Lillard. That should be an interesting one to keep an eye out for, especially with Lillard coming off of a 60-point performance against the Jazz um, just uh, a day or two ago. So that should be interesting. Then one more, if you want to add one more to your slate there, league pass at 8 o'clock, Golden State Warriors in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. Um, I picked that just because – there always seems to be something interesting with Golden State in the in Oklahoma City. Of course, this is not the same uh, team or same teams as it was in the mid 2010s. You know that 2016 season when those were two of the top teams in the NBA, and the Thunder happened to finish third in the, the West just because of how crazy good the Warriors and the Spurs were. That uh, regular season classic with Curry hitting. Uh, that pretty deep shot. There's a great Mike Breen call from that one. Um, and, you know, not the same teams, but the Thunder have really shown some some moxie this season. The Warriors, um, fairly, you know, closer than you might expect to them in record, and the Warriors still trying to put it together. I think that could be a, a sleeper game and a, an interesting one to watch out for. So regardless, that's our game previews for this weekend. Let's give you the This Day in History fact. So this day in history, January 27th, going back to 1982. Jeff Huston of Cleveland handed out a club record 27 assists in a 110 to 106 victory over the Golden State Warriors. At the time, it was the fourth highest assist total in NBA history. And that's, for, again, from 1982. There was not a wealth of events from January 27th, but that's still a pretty interesting one. And especially for a guy who, from what I've seen and at least what I'm familiar with, he was more a role player than a, a real starting or star point guard. Uh, so pretty remarkable for him to get a assist total like that. But um, yeah, that takes care of our, again, our this day in history fact. Um, once again, thanks for listening. Again, a little bit of a shorter show for you, but uh, we're also getting it taken care of a little bit early. Uh, earlier in the day for you but now you've got your your action and your you're caught up for the weekend a great weekend of basketball again the games we've talked about should be a pretty interesting to watch out watch out for but uh thank you for listening and we'll be back with you on monday back with wyatt hopefully for our uh normal monday show we'll 
recap the weekend action, give you previews for next week's action, uh, power rankings, and our weekly MVP. So thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you on Monday.